This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Going to be a lot to get to today. So uh, I was I was kind of excited because I took my son to the football game on Saturday, his first ever game at Razorback Stadium. He has seen Arkansas play Missouri. He has seen them play in Little Rock, but had never been to a game in Fayetteville. He's been to plenty of other Arkansas events in Fayetteville, lots of baseball games, lots of basketball games. Uh, I think I've even had him at a track event uh, in Fayetteville. Just hadn't been able to make it up for the largeness that is Arkansas football in Fayetteville. And he fell asleep an hour and a half into the game in the radio booth. He was, well, I mean, legitimately tired because I, I had to get him up at 6 o'clock. But then again, I don't know if he was the only one who was asleep uh, on Saturday. That was, a, that was a snoozer. Not fun. And there's, uh, you know, a lot of, there's a wake. There's a wake after that game. I don't mean awake to be awake. I mean a wake left behind in it. Matt, how you doing, man? It wasn't a pretty yeah. game on Saturday, and it's going to be an interesting week, isn't it? It, it is Therapy Monday. Um, did uh, how was the atmosphere there? You know, I, I get it. It was it was hard to watch at times. You just kept thinking that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna break one. We're gonna get it going. Something's gonna happen. Uh, good. You know, the ball's gonna bounce your way. And uh, I mean, what was that? The second play of the game, we get an interception. You're, you're thinking we're going down. We at least get points. Uh, I don't know what happened on the other play where we didn't kick the field goal. I mean, you know, you're in his range. Go out there and kick the field goal. End up getting a delay a game. It's like taking points off the board right there. You know, then it gives you a chance to 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 win the game. It was one of those games where we just we never got going. Yeah, absolutely, never got going. And when you when you think when you look at it and you think about this, without the Al Walcott interception. Arkansas very well may have gotten shut out. So digest that for a moment because that was the best field position. That was the, that was the farthest they drove that, inside uh, to the to the goal line throughout the game, thanks to Al Walcott's interception. And, and you win as a team and you lose as a team. It's, it's the ultimate team sport. I thought the running backs missed some holes. Uh, you know, I thought KJ had a couple bad throws. Uh, I mean, when you're getting hit a lot, it's it's tough. It's, it's tough because then you start looking at the the line of scrimmage and the rush and not not reading your keys. Uh, but yeah, there was just there was a lot of it's on the whole it's on the whole unit. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of missed opportunities out so there. So eleven out there, and it did seem like all eleven were just out of sync. Like AJ Green, one time, all he has to do is cut just a little bit to the left, but he's like he buries his head down, and we don't get the first down. Uh, you know, DeBinion missed a couple holes, uh, but it's uh, you know what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Going to fire the offensive coordinator yesterday? That's what Sam Pittman's going to do, and he did it. Um, no surprise, no surprise to anybody. Maybe some people be surprised that Sam fires someone that I, I believe he counted as a good friend with four games left. But I don't know if there was. You couldn't go into the. You couldn't go into this off week uh, with uh, accepting what you saw on Saturday. Let, let, never mind whatever happened in the previous five games to score only three against Mississippi State's defense, a team that and they played two of the same teams Arkansas played, Alabama, LSU. They'd given up 38 points a game in the SEC. And the Hogs kind of, man, I mean, that almost looked like the 85 Bears the other day, for crying out loud. I mean, that can't happen. Well, you know, we throw it to Ty Washington early in the game, and then it's like you don't, you don't run another play for him uh, the, rest, the rest, rest of the game. It's, uh, I was wrong. You know, I was, uh, I, I'll be the, the first to admit it. I thought Dan Eno's hire was going to be a good hire. And, uh and, and, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. So I, I definitely I thought it was going to work out better than what it did. Well, he'd run a good offense at Maryland. He'd run. I mean, you look back at some of the numbers uh, at Arkansas, part of that three years. I mean, you, the offense, he had it going for well, you a while can't, for a minute there. Yeah. You, you know, you don't want to ask players to do stuff they can't do. And, and so that's maybe, what this seems to be about. Huh? Right. Maybe we're not as talented. And he, he sometimes if they can't do it, you got you got you can you have to limit yourself a little bit. But to, so they can do what they can do. Well, it doesn't look like K.J. Jefferson is a pro style quarterback. Um, and. You know, the, part of the crazy thing about it, and, and look, I want, we can talk about what happened on Saturday and, and the game and the loss against Mississippi State and all of that. This is a bigger conversation about what the football program looks like moving forward. And, and really, when you're looking moving forward, you're looking at, after this off week, four games 
to try to keep it all together, to, to try to keep the coaching staff, I think, you know, together for, for, for whatever happens in the offseason. I mean, you've had this defense that has obviously improved. Um, they've played very well this year. You have a defense that makes plays, that puts pressure on a quarterback, that, um, you know, I mean, I, I know Mississippi State had a, had a backup, and Mike Wright, he's a veteran, though. Um, they, Mississippi State didn't do anything outside of one drive. Seven points short, should never win field. you a football game. Yeah. Your defense continues to play really well. Um, and and for, for, the, for, for the criticism, that, that obviously is, is uh, legitimate for, for the, the lack of success offensively for Dan Enos, uh, Sam Pittman made a great hire with Travis Williams for the defensive coordinator. It's just amazing to see. And you go into this off, the last offseason, like, well, you know, who you hire is really <laughs> that, that has so much to do with your success in the program and how long you stay in the job. It all comes down to the head coach. But, you know, I think, I think Sam Pittman gave and gives his, off, his coordinators a lot of leeway to do what they want to do. And to see, it's amazing because last year you had an offense. Now they had a little trouble, I think, scoring points that went along with the yardage that they got. A lot between the 20s, a little trouble inside the 20s, but still scored enough points to win some football games. And defense was your main problem. And this year, it's not just the other way around, Matt. It's that the defense has improved by leaps and bounds. That's a good SEC defense. And offensively, it just seems to get... It just seems to take a step backward almost each week. And, and this one against Mississippi State is, is more than a step backwards. It was like, it was like a trust fall and nobody was, nobody was there to, to catch you. So, I mean, it was really difficult to try to put it into words afterwards in the postgame. I didn't know what to say. I really didn't. I don't think anybody that was hosting postgame on, on, the, on, the, on the Razorback broadcast really knew how to put it because we were just all in shock. You know, not that you lost necessarily, but that it was such a... Uh, well, it was such an it was such a poor performance offensively because this was the, this seems to be, you know, I mean, you got shut out by Georgia in 2021. That was a national championship team. Wasn't the only I don't I don't think that was the only shutout that Georgia pitched that year. Th- this is not that team. This is not that defense. <laughs> uh, and and it was just shocking to see. And then there was just the other aspect of that that it was. It was not an exciting football game well, you at know, all. For, for a game decided by four points, I had all my, my fingernails left and it was done, Matt. They, um, you know, KJ did miss the, the – I guess that was – Washington was open in the red zone and, and we threw it into the ground. Uh, that, that's when we got our three points. You know, that's, that's a play that you need to make. Uh, I, there, the, there was plays out there to be made. I, I just think as a, as a whole, as a unit, they didn't execute well. And, you know, the last offensive coordinator we had – uh, you could add all the points they scored this week too, and we still wouldn't have won. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we just, we just still got beat. That's exactly right. So I mean, you do wonder what does the offense look like moving forward? Um, you know, I mean, you want to you look back a little bit, but I truthfully don't want to relive the Mississippi State game all that much. It was enough just to watch it once. Sundays, I always watch the the game again on TV and and slow things down and fast forward through the commercials. And it was hard to watch. I didn't do that yesterday. Hard on your eyes, yeah. In fact, Matt, I protested football for the rest of the weekend after that one. I didn't watch another game. I watched a little bit of the Sunday night last night because, well, you know, Eagles, Dolphins, Tua, Jalen Hurts and all that. I ended up watching more of the baseball game. Um... I, I, I didn't even, I didn't even, not only did I not watch the Steelers, I didn't even listen to them. I protested football for the rest of the weekend, focused on my son who I had with me because I felt bad for him. First time he ever got inside Razorback Stadium for a football game. He was so excited. We walked on the field when we, when we got to the stadium. He's like, wow, this is so cool. You get to see all the equipment. You get to see the pads over there at 645 in the morning and hardly anybody is in there. The sun isn't even up yet. And it felt like you had the stadium to yourself. Get everything set up. Think you're going to see. And look, every game this year has been close. A lot of them have been exciting games. I haven't seen a game like that. Worst game I've ever watched was a, was a 3 nothing Sun Bowl that Oregon State beat Pitt. I think that was 2007 or 2008, but at least I wasn't there. This was the most boring football game I've ever been to in person. <laughs> and, and it was shocking because I thought you would see. I really did think you would see some points put up by the Razorbacks. I thought they would win by double digits. So now you, now you know what's up in front of you, Matt. Uh, forget about worrying about bowl eligibility and all of that. 
You just got to find a way to move the ball a little bit because you have faith that your defense is going to play well. But we don't know what this offense is going to look like moving forward. I would hope that there's a bump just because such a, a dramatic thing to lose your offensive coordinator um, eight games into his second tenure at Arkansas. Didn't even make it through one season. That's dramatic. And that's not just something to do for, you know, I mean, Sam Pittman's doing that so that the team starts to move the ball and score some more points. It's also a message to fans. This is not acceptable, and I'm going to do something about it. I think, I mean, you know, I don't know what it's like to fire somebody that I look at as a good friend. I think that's what just happened on Sunday. Man, it was hard to watch at times. That's that's for sure. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's such the converse of of last year how we were so bad in the passing defensive game, and now and and now this year on offense, it's like we haven't done anything. We haven't even put together like a quarter, like two quarter, two good quarters back to back. They they were so inconsistent. Never got it going. We just kept saying it. I keep writing down in my notes week after week after week. It's like never got any momentum. Just could, never got anything going. Uh, another another penalty on us. Yeah. yeah, it turns into like a broken record, right? Yeah, and it's just, it's it's almost like Jack Nicola, Nick, Nicholson in, in The Shining, right? In the same sentence over and over again. All work and no play makes Jackie a dull boy. Yeah, it was a dull football game, that's for sure. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more info. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Sam Pittman is talking to the Arkansas media now. I think it started about a minute ago. We'll have two media availabilities this week. Today, the SEC coaches teleconference Wednesday morning, and that's it. No Sam Pittman live on Wednesday. No players available Tuesday, and usually Thursday and Friday. You don't have any availabilities either. So, it's a pretty uh, pretty important day to hear and see what uh, Sam Pittman's got to say because there's a lot there's a lot of questions coming his way certainly about the firing of Dan Enos and what happens moving forward Matt you know I'm I'm still a Sam Pittman guy I'm still a fan I, I'm a, I'm hoping that uh, you know they'll figure it out and um, I mean it's uh, changes are being made and so that's uh, I I don't know you know there's what what what, what do you say you know, seeing they're not standing pat, <clears throat> at least they're not standing pat and doing something about it and trying to do something about it. We'll see if you something know, when, actually happens next Saturday. Well, you got every everybody's got to be evaluated. You know, if everybody on that offensive staff, all all the players, all your all your positions, all your jobs. I mean, there's it's it, it's just not good enough. What I mean, six in a row. That's that's not it's not good enough. You know that during this six game losing streak, Arkansas has been outscored by a total of 36 points. That's being outscored by 36 points in six games total. That's why, and I heard on the morning rush today, there was a good argument going about comparing what's happening now to the Chad Morris years. And I am a person that says you are what your record says you are. And Arkansas's football record says it's not a good team. Two and six is not good. It doesn't matter how many points you've been outscored by. But there is, a, there is a degree of, of one loss is a little different than the others. And in the two years that Chad Morris was the head coach, the Hogs were outscored by an average of 28.5 points per game. So they had their heads handed to them on a silver platter on nearly a week-by-week basis. Out of 24 games, seven losses by one score under Chad Morris, and you've had 
five losses by by seven points or less and four points or uh, four of them by three points or less it's nuts and that's not to make an excuse about what's going on about the losses it's just that I don't see this program right now at the level that it was under Chad Morris. Not at all. Yeah, no, they're 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 a better football program. I, I remember how how bad it was before Pittman got here, and th- this team is better than than that team. It's just uh, expectations, what they were early in the year, and and uh, you know you you take an L to BYU, and just it kind of the dominoes start falling. But there there's still a chance mathematically. Like I said, you you don't stop believing as long as there's an opportunity and a chance to get to six. We still got a chance. In close losses, sometimes you have to look at decisions made by the coaches and the lack of uh, of of a timely decision to send Cam Little out for what should have been a fifty-one yard field goal uh, is a reason that Arkansas potentially lost Saturday. You, you, You've got one of the better kickers in the country, right, Matt? Fifty-one yards is well within his range. I don't know why it took that long to make the decision. You have a field goal alert. You, you have a, a ready field goal team. You know you have a guy that's on, that's on the sideline, a special teams guy that, that has the field goal to be ready. When you you got to know situationally that uh, when, when the clock's running down, it's the end of the half, and and you're where you are, and they they spot that ball and that play clock goes quick. So we we used to work on that. You know you would think that they have something like that that they work on. Uh, because if if you work on it a couple of times, you you you're able to do it running out there, and you should be able to get a field goal off in in under 18 seconds. Decision making, clock management, being ahead of of the play that's right there in front of you. So let's say Little makes that field goal 51 yards, even after the delay of game, 56 I think is still within his range. So let's say he makes it. We'll throw in a hypothetical. How, how are you not calling a timeout? Do we not have a timeout right there? You there know, three of them. Yeah, it's like so. So even even someone there that if uh, if you know that that's that delay of game is going to take you out of field goal range, that's the time that you, that you use your timeout. Kick the field goal, seven to six. And then let's say it's still seven to six in Arkansas, who finished the game, the game with the ball this last Saturday. Well, now you're not trying to score a field goal. Now you're trying to get to the 40 to give Little another chance for a 56-yarder to win the game. And then he's your hero. And then you probably still make a change with the offensive coordinator because it has been that bad. But those are the sort of decisions that are the difference in a win and a loss and game decided by four points. Nelson and Harrison, I appreciate you waiting on the McClarty Daniel hotline. What's hey, up, Nelson? Well, I'm I'm frustrated like all, everybody else is, like you guys are. Uh, Eno's getting fired. Yeah, you know that needed to happen, mainly because of the. But I'm telling you, if Sam can't do better, Sam needs to go too. Because just as you guys were talking about, this ain't his first. This ain't his first year there. And this ain't even the first time that they faced this decision with the field goal or punting this year. Get it figured out. I mean, it ain't like it was just the first time we've ever seen that. It's like you guys have dealt with this all year long. Do we do it? Do we not? Figure it out. I mean, have have something decided if you're going to do it or if you're not going to do it. I mean, you can't keep saying, well... It come down to it, and I just didn't know what to do. Are you not learning from your mistakes? Because if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're in trouble. Well, and and I agree with you about that, Nelson. You're right. Um, you know, I mean, I think you knew that. Look, it's the fourth year that Sam's the head coach. He's not a new head coach. He's he's done this for three previous years. He's been coaching since I was ten in college football. So he's he's lived through these situations hundreds of times seen other head coaches make those decisions before the hat even dropped he's had to make these decisions too that's the thing about this it doesn't matter that he was a first-time head coach or learning from mistakes i think he's seen that situation literally hundreds of times in his career but in this moment he froze and he admitted it he admitted it that was the other thing that was i guess a bit of a surprise matt you know he's is there such a thing as honesty to a to a fault because in the post-game press conference he was he admitted it, and I mean, I can at least take my hat off to that. Absolutely, he goes in there, uh, and and it's not uh, you face a little adversity. It's not any fun sitting in there and and uh, you know, kind of lost for answers. You know, we're all we're all searching. They're all up there searching for answers and trying to figure it out, and and, and they just haven't been able to figure it out. 
A call from Greg in Farmington on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Again, that number is 877-377-6963. Greg, how are you? Hey, guys. Hey, uh, I'm going to throw this out here. It just looks like everybody's jumping on KJ, and it just looks to me like they put a leash on KJ this year. They kind of restricted what they wanted him to do because, I, you know, I've been at every home game, and I've seen watched every uh, the road game that's been on TV, and it just looks like uh, KJ not doing things last year or this season that last year he was going to. I know there was a couple of times. He, he's on a run, about to score a touchdown. A couple of guys come up, what you do? He runs out of that bounds. Last year he would have bulldozed through the guys. And so it just seems to me like – they put a leash on KJ this season, and I don't know if that was Pittman's doing or if that was Enos doing, but it, it just hasn't been the same KJ. And Greg, it's good to hear from you. And, Matt, there's a little irony in, in the point that Greg's making. There is some irony in that. We spent quite a bit of the offseason maybe not wanting KJ to, to, to have that aggression leashed, but we, we talked about we don't want him taking too many hits. Start running out of bounds. Start going down. You know, start sliding and, and save yourself the hits because we need you to play. Um, maybe, you know, it's not just the coaches, but maybe KJ took himself out of himself a little bit too because he is, he is not playing the same way. The, the quarterback who used to be very accurate right now is just not, is not as accurate, you know. I mean, and all the work that we know he put in in the offseason to – uh, to working on his mechanics, it hasn't led to a to a more accurate quarterback this year. Well, when you have the inability to run the ball, it's it's tough to to, and it's tough to run any offense. And and that's a, that'd be the one thing different from from last year to this year. Uh, you know, we 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 didn't we struggled a little bit in the red zone, but we could run the ball last year. And KJ KJ's good when we spread it out, go go a little tempo, and 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 let him read and react, uh, let him play fast. He seems to be good uh, that way. It's, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? If you're going to talk about it all week long, that's what you're going to do. Wouldn't it be, is this a week you want to buy after six straight losses? Look, physically, I think the team could use it. I mean, you know, This is one of the later buys in college football or later off weeks. I'd seen somebody complain about calling it a buy because a buy is a tournament thing. They're not playing in a tournament. It's an off week. You need it physically. Maybe you need it mentally, but this is also, it's like, well, you have to go into your off week with the weight of six losses and the weight of an embarrassing performance offensively with three points against what was a bad defense. And, and all of that, man, that's a lot to be sitting around without practicing, just thinking about. And you don't know what Florida team's going to show up. They're an inconsistent team. Um, so, it, I mean, get get something going on offense a little bit, find, find, find a couple plays that KJ likes and... Uh, maybe we can run the ball a little bit, but you you don't know what Florida team's going to show up. We got Miss Lisa here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Good afternoon, Miss Lisa. How are you today? Well, good. Well, I'm I'm okay. I want y'all to know I'm not going to come on here and scream and all that. Uh, well, but good. I didn't I expect am that you would. And by the way, when I ask that question, when I ask, I was talking with my son about this yesterday. You know how people, Miss Lisa, they'll say, "How are you doing?" But they're really just saying hello. Every once in a while, when you give somebody the real answer to how you're doing, they're not quite ready for it. So when, I, when I'm asking you how you're doing, I mean it. How are you doing? Well, when it comes to the Razorbacks, I'm not doing very well. I stayed home Saturday, which broke my heart because I ended a streak. And I'm not on here bragging, but I just couldn't make the trip knowing what would be the outcome. Um, and I, you know, I was at the walkthrough, as I told y'all, at the Mississippi State game, and Dan Enos took a beating, I don't mean physically, I mean mentally, of all of us fans hollering at him. I'm so glad. I don't think Sam Pittman relieved him of his duties. I think Hunter Urechek relieved him of his duties. I know what the press probably has been told to say, but that's what Miss Lisa thinks. 
And another thing, a good friend of mine who should know that you know how that goes says they're they're in negoti- negotiations with Sam to step down at the end of the season and they will negotiate his salary, which I think would be good. I think and find Sam a place to you know he can do something. And uh, I like Sam Pittman, but the next coach we get, and then I'll hang up, I want the meanest, I want a skirt chaser, I want a bulldog, I want the meanest one we can get out there. I'm tired of nice guys. I'm tired of them. I live through coaches. I I know who my favorite one was. I know who I'd like to see hired now. But I don't want another nice pat you on the back, shake your hand, and all this coach. I'm tired of those. Okay, Miss Lisa, I appreciate your phone call. It is good to hear from you today. Getting the Northeast Arkansas rumor mill going again. (laughs) I think Sam Pittman's the one who fired Dan Enos. Because I think he's an intelligent man. And I think he knew you had to do something. You can't sit pat. And you aren't going to be cutting players after eight weeks. So what do you do? You cut somebody loose. And I think that was all Sam Pittman. I do not think it was Hunter Urichek. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Mike Irwin from Pig Trail Nation in a moment here, and it's just looking at uh, some of the quotes coming from Sam Pittman's press conference here. Mike, I think one of his quotes gets to the heart at what must have been a disconnect between him and Dan Enos and running the offense. You heard Sam Pittman for a few weeks talk about rolling the pocket to try to protect KJ, give him a little time. You never really saw them do it. He mentions that in his presser today. says, quote, we practiced rolling the pocket, just didn't do it, unquote. To me, that, that talks to the disconnect between Sam and Dan Enos and what we saw on the field sometimes. You know, Sam got pretty heavily criticized for that press conference after the game because there were so many things he he said. I, I don't know. I, I think he knew what what the answer to those questions were. He wasn't ready to answer them at that point because now he's talking about a lot of things that that we've all wondered about, and that's one of them. I mean, I was just scratching my head in that Alabama going, game going, well, why aren't they doing that? It looks like to me – You've got a head coach that's saying, we need to do that, and you've got an offensive coordinator saying, nope, we're not doing that. But beyond that, the overall tone of what he's saying is that Sam lost the offensive side of the ball, lost those players. And all you had to do was look at K.J. on Saturday to know that. I'm sitting there looking at a very different K.J. Jefferson all the way through that game and I asked myself, okay, one of two things has got to happen here. Either they're going to have to bench him from here on out, or they're going to have to change the offense and maybe the coordinator, and we saw what they did. So now the answer is, how much better does it get? I don't know. Everybody's, you know, I had people saying to me, well, I guess they can just go back to Kendall Bryles' offense. Well, Guyton, who's the off- Kenny Guyton, who's the offensive play caller now, did – work under him 
Kendall Browse at two different places here and all the way back at Houston. So he would know how to do that. But I don't know that you just switch back to that offense immediately. I mean, we had a computer program we were using here at work for five, six years. We shifted two years ago. It took me six months to learn it. If they suddenly said go back to the old one, I'm not sure I could immediately. And I think that would be the difficulty in going back to this, you know, RPO tempo offense that, that Biles had last year. I think more than likely what based on what Sam said, they're gonna modify a few things. They're gonna you know, chunk he said we're gonna simplify. So they're gonna get rid of a lot of stuff that wasn't working, try to concentrate on what does work. One of the things he talked about was we had too many pocket passes. He he said no more than five or six from here on out. And so I think you're going to see K.J. moving. I think I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with the running game. He talked about improving it, uh, but I'm not sure exactly what you do. But you've got a wide receivers coach in there now calling these plays, and I've questioned these pass routes all along. So maybe we will see different pass routes. I mean, there was one I was looking at online where you you had two guys ended up right next to each other, and that's happened a lot. So what's going on there? So you would expect to see some some changes like that. Yeah, you know, I didn't see a whole lot of tempo either, uh, Mike. I, I, the inability to run the football, I just do not understand it. It's it's tough to call an offense when 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 you can't when you can't run the ball. Uh, do you think they're asking players to do? I mean, are they asking these players to do things that they're not capable of? And so now they're going to simplify it and 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 like you said, play fast, but play with only five or six plays. Well, it sounds like Enos was asking them to do things they didn't want to do or didn't think they would be successful at, and this was an issue that went on week after week, and maybe there was discussion about making modifications, and it never happened, or it only happened to a small degree. Again. What he's saying, what Sam Pittman is saying, is the players on the offensive side of the ball didn't want to run this offense and really didn't believe in it. And he was very careful to say that Danny's a smart coach, has had success at other places. What he's doing would work somewhere else. It wasn't working here. And I think he'd probably still be the offensive coordinator if he had made some adjustments, but he was very stubborn and didn't do it. And so now we'll see how much better they get. I mean, people are saying Sam Pittman did this to save his job. Give me a break. You're not saving your job if things don't get better. So I don't think he just went, I'm going to fire some guy, and that will save my job. You have to, if you fire somebody, it has to produce positive results or there was no point to it. So now we'll see if he he did the right thing. I've got people telling me on Saturday they need a, a different quarterback. I even had somebody tell me there are guys on the defensive side of the ball that with this offense that they were running felt like Criswell was better. Well, they've solved that problem now because they're not going to run that offense anymore, So, or at least the way they were running it. So this is all interesting. Uh, it's sure what, what could have been a boring final four games of the year may, may get interesting now. We'll see. We read people question who did the firing of Dan Enos, and I think it was Sam Pittman, and I don't think there was anybody else to tell him to do it. And it's exactly why... Uh, the things that you brought up, <clears throat> and it's what, and, and it goes to what he brought up in the press conference too. You fire an, you fire employees for various reasons: insubordination, poor performance, not taking instruction, not listening to what the boss says. And and what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is it was a guy that wasn't doing what the boss wanted him to do. And finally, when it when when it comes time that you face a team that had given up 38 points on average against SEC teams, and two of those teams were teams Arkansas played against, and you're only able to manage three, I think it was an easy decision for him. I mean, it was probably a very hard thing to do because they're friends, and it's not that would never it's never going to feel good. But I think it was a decision that was made probably before he even walked out of the stadium on Saturday. Yeah, Sam made a statement. I don't have the quote in front of me. I'm trying to find it, but I can't find it on my computer. But he made a statement to the effect that moving forward, and this is obviously if he's, he's still here next year or whatever, that he's going to have to assert himself more into all of these discussions. Yeah, I know you like to do this, but I, I think we need to do that. And uh, so you're you're exactly right. I think you had a, a guy that was honestly insubordinate. You you don't get 
eight games into the season and you're still doing the same stuff. I mean, he was still throwing those bubble screens that don't work. He was still having the flankers come around and try to be slow developing uh, attack the edges type plays that, that get nothing. You're, you're, you're either tackle behind the line of scrimmage or gain a yard or two or throwing, turning and throwing to a guy one yard off the line of scrimmage. And that's all you get is one or two yards. Those plays don't work. And he was, he was running them in, in August camp and he kept running them all the way up till the end. Mike, where do we go from here? These these last four games, what do you think? The, is there any type of way we can salvage this season, have any success? Well, the biggest thing I'm looking for is if this. how much does this affect KJ? Is he back the comfortable guy that we've seen? Uh, how quickly can he adjust? I, it, I think having an open date is, is really critical here. I don't, you, you don't make these changes overnight. But I think having two weeks will help, so I'm looking to see how it affects him. Again, I think because you've now got a wide receivers coach calling the plays, we're going to see some big changes in the passing game, maybe throw more on first down. I want to see these routes change. The the routes, guys were not getting open, but I'm not sure it was them. I mean, we'll see. But I wouldn't believe that's what it is. So maybe you're going to see some changes in some of the routes that are run, getting people open quicker. And um, then we'll see if that affects the running game. If you, if people always say you you establish a running game to get the passing game, I, it works both ways. If you can throw successfully, it will open your running game up because it forces the defense to loosen up. So those are some of the things I'm looking at. Uh, whether it'll happen or not, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, this is a tough test to go to Florida and try to win there. Arkansas never won a game in Gainesville, but at least. You're throwing something at them and making them try to guess what what you're going to do. And I like that better than the other option, which was to keep doing the same thing. I mean, it looked like to me Mississippi State had an extra week to look at every single play that Enos liked to run and say, okay, he likes this, he likes this, he likes that. Let's stop that. Because this was a defense, especially a secondary. It was the worst secondary in the SEC this year. They were giving up 74% of their completion rate on passes. And it just changed all of a sudden. I mean, that's the thing that you just couldn't wrap your head around, was that Arkansas couldn't move the ball on that defense, at least throwing it. Uh, So some changes needed to be made for sure. Mike, let's close on a thought of um, the offense obviously is performing incredibly poorly. You You wouldn't have fired the OC if that wasn't the case eight games in. Defensively, this is this is as much improvement on a on a year by year basis that I've seen at Arkansas in a long, long time. And like truthfully, there's some playmakers. De- this defense is good enough that eight games in, you could be six and two, which which is crazy to think about now in the middle of a six. Uh, hopefully, the end of a six game losing streak. So it's just the 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 performance on the bo- on both sides is so different. I thought the defense might have won them a game at some point. Heck, they almost did this past Saturday. Maybe they got to do that at some point in these next four games. You know, based on what and I communicated with at least one parent of a defensive player over the weekend, and based on what I'm hearing, I think this defense will be even more fired up now because they they weren't talking about this, but they absolutely were frustrated by the lack of production by the offense. It was tough going back out there over and over again and, and, and trying to, you know, let them still have good field position and, and not let the other team move the ball and all the things they had to do defensively. I, I expect that defense to be totally fired up uh, uh, next week against uh, Florida just because of the the fact that they've done some things to try and change the offense. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate Hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. Connor, it's good to talk to you, man. How are you? You know, I'm I'm doing better than I think the people of the great state of Arkansas. I uh, Look, I, I feel for everyone. I do, and I can't say that I empathize, but... Um, look, this was, uh, this was about as bad as one could have expected in any world. And, uh, that's in the rear view mirror. And I think that's the good news. And we just wonder what it looks like moving forward, um, with Kenny Guyton as the offensive coordinator. And, you know, you got a week to let the players rest or a little less than a week before they bring them back and then start preparing for Florida and what they hope is a, uh, is at least, well, I don't want to worry about a flourish. You still got to worry about playing well and, and, and finding some semblance of a, an identity offensively on Saturday. We just, we don't know exactly what that looks like. You know, I mean, Kenny Guyton coached with Kendall Bryles previously at Arkansas and in Houston, so maybe RPO. But um, I don't, I was, I was just so surprised that the offense looked as bad as they did under Dan Enos, and then he never did anything to adjust. Yeah, it was pretty alarming to see the stretch that Arkansas had been through and to see the fight that we saw late against Alabama. And that crowd looked like it was ready to go. And then to come out as flat as as they were, and there was just no creativity whatsoever. Why, why they still insist on having running backs blocking when they, they can't pass block is beyond me. KJ doesn't have any sort of safety valves yet. Receivers don't really have the ability to get open in this scheme, and KJ is just a, a sitting duck back there, and it's just so unbelievably hard to watch. I know I've said on these airwaves countless times how much I love KJ, how much I respect his game, and, and how it pains me to watch him be put in these spots when we've seen what he's capable of. It was as uh, is, is tough of a game to watch in the SEC as any in recent memory. And I look, I, I watch them all. I, I've watched many a Vandy football game here, and that game was um, it, it was just a, a nonstop, never-ending cycle of pain. Yeah, I'll admit I was wrong. I, I thought Danny Enos would would come in here and have success, and uh, the Danny Enos experiment it, it didn't really work. Uh, so so they're going to go on to something else. So that being said, what does Arkansas try to accomplish these these next four games? Yeah, uh, look right there with you. Freezing cold takes got me yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, I got hit pretty good. My old tweet from when was this from oh yeah it's from january my tweet in january read considering the timing getting someone as accomplished as dan you know it feels like a massive win for arkansas worked wonders with talia tungvaloa uh was a key reason why jalen hurts developed his passing as a backup at bama in 2018 kj is in good hands i said that um in hindsight just a bit off just a little bit off uh, yeah, it, it it was so unbelievably bad, and now that's that's the tough thing is that you don't even know what this team is good at. Like you don't even know who could step in and, and figure out a strength of this team. Because yeah, you've had some great moments. I, I think going back to going back to what they did against LSU, but obviously that was with a little bit more of a healthy team. And, and so this roster, which is now depleted, I, I don't know like what scenario exists in which they become even a decent offense. I would think KJ getting to run the ball more would be that and even given how much he's you know how much punishment he's taken i don't know how likely it is that they really want to do that but yeah it's going to be ugly and i don't really know where they turn to find some sort of offensive identity well i guess there were some other games that happened i mean we haven't talked about a single other game across the country other than arkansas mississippi seven three seven three thriller that's right 
Yeah. I didn't want to watch any more football after that, Connor. I didn't watch a single NFL game. I didn't watch another college game. Um, I'm not watching the, the Monday night game because I've got two baseball games, and that's going to get my interest today. So I didn't watch any other football. What game do you stood out on Saturday? I don't blame you, man. Uh, look, at least baseball's got more scoring than that. Um, that was <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, look, I, I think on Saturday, uh, my eyes were going to be glued, of course, to Tennessee and Bama. And seeing the way that Tennessee showed up in Tuscaloosa, put together the best first half of any team in that stadium since 2019 LSU to be up 13 and a half. And then, of course, the second half reality sort of set in in Tennessee. Um, I, I, I want to say midnight struck on the balls and Alabama did some very Alabama-like things. Um, seeing this team that still has total control over the SEC West, I think is really interesting. I know Arkansas is not anywhere near being considered in contention in the division race, obviously. But at the top, I think a lot of people are wondering, man, how is Alabama going to find a way to get to Atlanta with the struggles they were having early? And they just find ways to kind of weather the storm. They continue to fall behind at halftime. It doesn't really matter. And that's kind of a scary thing, in my opinion. And meanwhile, yeah, Tennessee looking like a team that uh, seems destined for 8-4. Uh, doesn't really have the upside that I think some were hoping for. And I think the, the drop-off from last year was pretty noticeable. Connor, you got two two SEC teams. Uh, Ole Miss is six and one, and Missouri seven and one. W- which one of those teams do you believe in more? I think I think I, I believe in Mizzou. I, I, I think Mizzou is like a really good nine and three type team this year, and I, I think that there are a lot of people. That, that are waiting for them to face elite competition. And maybe if they get smacked against Georgia or something like that, I think there are a lot of people that are just going to be out on, on Mizzou. But in many ways, this is kind of what you need to do if you're a program struggling to take that next step. You need to reassess how you view play calling. You know, it, we're, we're talking a lot about, obviously, today, the, the failed hire that was Dan Enos. What Mizzou has done by going out and hiring Kirby Moore to run that offense that was previously run by Eli Drinkowitz that, that has been such a godsend for that program. And getting Blake Baker to agree to that extension right around this time last year has been really beneficial. They are so improved defensively. And that's a team that has an identity, and they can kind of beat you in a lot of different ways. So, like, Mizzou is a team that, like, if they if they get smacked, people are just going to say, oh, you see what, like, they were, they're a fraud, whatever. No, I think they're going to a Florida Bowl game. I think they have a chance to go to a New Year's Six Bowl this year, and it wouldn't necessarily be considered that much of a surprise based on what we've seen so far. Third year there for Drinkwitz. Third year for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, uh, or fourth year. Sorry, they're all they're all they're having the kind of success I think that was more of a well for Mizzou. It's been a slow build. It's been a slow build there, and you know, I mean, do you look at the at the second year that Coach Pittman had here at Arkansas? Nine wins, and it's like, well, it was too much success too early. Is is that a, is that a, a fair way at all to look at it? I don't think so. I, look, and yeah, maybe maybe it elevated expectations, but you're, you're going to have to make a step up at some point. I mean, I, I think it's just different circumstances. We have different perspective about Mizzou because they, they have a head coach who got an extension at the end of year three, near the end of year three, even though he had never had a winning record at Mizzou. I mean, that's a testament that he was able to negotiate that and up that buyout to about 20 million bucks. I mean, that was an unbelievable thing that Eli Drinkowitz was able to pull off. But, you know, having this season the way that they have, like the timing of it's just different. Like Mizzou fans have been waiting on a season like this for a while, and he's had to endure a lot of negative attention, attention that Sam Pittman is just getting right now. So, like, everybody inherits different situations. Mizzou... You know, Barry Odom, the program that he left, Eli Drinkowitz, was in a much different place than the one Sam Pittman inherited. And yeah, maybe that timeline and that rebuild that was expedited and really was much quicker than a lot of us thought would, would happen. I, I think that it, we play the results with that. I don't think it's fair to say that it, it necessarily did Sam Pittman in dirty. At some point, if you're going to be a coach for the long haul in the SEC, you got to show that you can sustain success. And he hasn't been able to do that at the level that many thought he would after he agreed to that extension. Connor, that that uh, out west, the Utah USC matchup. Utah able to 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 get a victory. They they face Oregon uh, this week. Uh, although Oregon has to travel to Utah, uh, how, how do you like in that game? Uh, it's hard to bet against Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer, who has just done an unbelievable job 
filling in for Cam Rising and the plays that he was making out of the stretch. I was glued to that one late. That was an incredible finish. Um, I'll give Oregon the nod. I think Oregon's still a really good football team despite the, the loss to Washington. That could have gone either way. Bo Nick's still very much a part of that Heisman Trophy conversation, even though they obviously do have that loss. But I, I think Utah's still pretty limited offensively. And I think while they were able to beat the USC team that doesn't have much of a defense, they'll see a much, much different Dan Lanning coach defense than the one that they faced against Alex Grinch. So I, I give the, the nod to, to Oregon in that matchup. But, man, Utah is just a really, really tough out. What about the cocktail party, Connor? We need, we need Georgia to beat the stuffing out of Florida and really, you know, like leave them bruised and beaten so that Arkansas faces, uh, you know, a team that's uh, coming off getting their head handed to them. Is there a chance we, we should see that happen? Or is Georgia not quite the same without Brock Bowers? Both things can be true at the same time. Georgia's, I, I don't think Georgia will be the same without Brock Bowers. And I think it makes the, the Florida matchup a lot more intriguing. Florida finally getting over the hump and getting that much-needed, solid road victory. I mean, winning at South Carolina, take it for what it is. They're also a two-win team. But still, it felt like a very pivotal game for Billy Napier. I think if you're an Arkansas fan, if you're watching this game, you're, you're hoping that this is going to be a good down-to-the-wire game, that, that Florida has like some sort of moral victory loss. Because if they're, if they're coming in like after getting smacked against Georgia, they're going to be pretty frustrated. And even Florida, in this really rough stretch that they've been in basically since the start of 2021, or really the end of 2020, they've still been really good at home, too. So it's not like they're going to be a doormat, even if they look awful against Georgia. I think Billy Napier has a young team that's figuring some things out. Graham Mertz executing that system. That ground game is still really good. They will test Arkansas, obviously, and that's going to be a difficult game for, for Arkansas to, to break out of this losing streak. Connor, what's the latest with Michigan, uh, with, with, with all that, with Spygate or whatever's going on with Harbaugh? How do you see them? Anything Can, can anything affect Michigan? I don't think so. Look, they got more votes in the in, in the AP poll for uh, for that number one spot this week. So if there's any sort of doubt about it, you know the, how the public feels about them or whatever, I, I think that's kind of out the window. I think a lot of people are looking at this thing. The NCAA is just out to get Michigan, and if they are going to punish them, it, it's it's pretty hard to imagine any world in which it happens before the college football playoff this year, which Michigan looks like it has a very good chance of making. So uh, I don't necessarily think that we're going to get any sort of news. I just keep explaining to people, if you want to know kind of a rundown of, of what this is like, just go Google Watergate. I mean, this is this is a really similar thing with Richard Nixon, not to get political or anything like that. I'm not trying to do that, but uh, very, very similar vibes in terms of the, the pettiness, the ultra-competitiveness, and what ultimately could do Michigan in if the NCAA ultimately finds that they did something wrong. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.